She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 2. Episode 6. Ascension. In this episode, after Scully is kidnapped by Dwayne Barry, Mulder is desperate to find where she's been taken before it's too late. But his partner, Alex Krychek, might not actually be helping his cause. Mm. And there might be aliens. Oh, there might be aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So this episode was written by Paul Brown and directed by Michael Lang. Which, this is a two-parter. It wasn't the first part written and directed by Chris Carter. Yeah, I feel like usually on TV when there's a two-part episode, it's usually written and directed by the same person. Like, I feel like that's true. Maybe that's totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we aren't going to get some cool Last Jedi Rise of Skywalker action going on here. We'll find out, I guess. I never um, saw the Rise of Skywalker. I still need oh. to see it. Yeah, well, just like every writer and director like basically changes everything that happened in the previous movie, from what I understand. Because I haven't right. seen... Well, I watched part of The Force Awakens during a family gathering at Christmas and stopped watching it as they continued to watch it and then decided I wasn't watching the rest. Oh, I watched The Force Awakens and I watched The Last Jedi. I just never got around to seeing The Rise of Skywalker and then I tried to avoid spoilers and then I got spoiled and so like I'll still watch it but apparently the entire cast and crew got spoiled um, or like didn't know what was happening either. So yeah. Mm. So anyway we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe that works in this episode's favor. Maybe it doesn't. We'll find out. So this one was filmed in Surprise, surprise, Vancouver, but then also at Grouse Mountain Skyride, which is in North Vancouver. And then also they did some filming at Mount Seymour, which is also north of Vancouver, kind of northeast. Yeah. All of them in British Columbia, obviously. Its original air date was Friday, October 21st, 1994. And it had a viewership of 15.5 million in the United States. So apparently a lot of people heard about Scully being abducted. Because viewership increased by uh, almost 16% from last yeah. episode. So. People are worried. People are worried about Scully. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because then, like a bunch of more people watch the second part. And it's not like you can just go back and like catch the other one on streaming or something back then. It was like you weren't going to see it again until they reran it. You were just basically people were telling you about it. So kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. They had those yeah. little fun like last week on. I don't even know if the X-Files did that though. Well, if they did, they cut them out of the DVD releases that we're yeah, using because it there. wasn't in there. Yeah. So, and I don't remember that being a big thing for the X-Files. So who knows? No the, no, the closest we get is we're in Washington, D.C. It's 11.23 p.m. It's a rainy night. And Mulder gets into his apartment and he hits play on his answering machine. And he hears Scully's voice tell him about the code on the metal. So basically what we got last episode. Although I think they redubbed some of this because when we hear the glass and Dwayne Barry and she starts crying for Mulder, she sounds a lot more urgent than she sounded last episode when she was like, Mulder, I need you. This one, she actually sounds like she's in danger. So I think they might have redubbed that a little bit. Anyway. Then we cut to there's police outside of Scully's building. They got yellow tape everywhere. And Mulder comes in and he walks up and flashes his badge and goes under the tape and then stops in the entryway and he looks in the broken glass. And then from his, I think what we're getting, we're getting like some 
Mulder doing like some CSI like mind stuff in this one because like he's looking at the broken glass seeing his own reflection and then we cut to Dwayne Barry seeing his reflection in the window from outside and then we get the flashback of Dwayne Barry busting the window and knocking Scully down we get some new footage as well of what's going on and you know knocking the blinds off the window so then we go inside and the forensic team is swapping for blood and taking prints and taking photos with that big old two-handed camera they have for taking crime scene photos. And Mulder sees a spot of blood with some hair just like stuck to it, which looks like a cat like stepped on it, basically is what it looks like. Yeah. Stuck on the glass table. And then and then we get another flashback of Scully like crawling towards the carpet as Dwayne Barry stands over her and she tries to get her gun. But then she can't, her phone's on the floor and she's crying for Mulder and then Dwayne Barrett like stomps on it and breaks it. Yeah. And then at the door, we hear someone is like, let me in, let me in, let me in. And it's Scully's mom. Same actress that usually plays Scully's mom. And Mulder's like, she's not inside. And her mom says, where is she? And then we get the theme song, X-Files, X-Files, X-Files. Except at the end, it says deny everything yeah i love it when they change up the thing (laughs) yeah so i don't know i liked i like that we got more of the scully fighting with Dwayne in this like i feel like it was good i don't know if it's Mulder seeing that or if it's just meant to be for the viewer to kind of like maybe he's kind of trying to figure out what happened but then the viewer is seeing like what actually happened because we got more of that than we did in the last episode yeah they do that again later in the episode two where Mulder like looks at something and then we get some scenes with Scully and I think that's definitely his imagination okay but but here it's not clear whether that's what he's imagining happened or it is what happened maybe, maybe he's so good that what he imagined happened is what happened we don't know so yeah they really should have called this episode blood because there's blood everywhere. There's like, like Mulder gets blood on himself, like not even trying to be Mulder grabbing evidence. He's just like walking around. And like he, when he goes out to see what the thing is, he puts his hand on the door frame and there's like a big old bloody handprint there. And then when he goes to greet Scully's mom, there he sees he's got blood on his hands, which is, that's cool. Like, hi. Oh, there's probably your daughter's blood on my hand. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, well, I like that the scene kind of mirrors the last episode where Scully was like demanding to be in the negotiation room and now her mom's like demanding to be in the crime scene. But I feel like that one, I was like, well, that's Scully's mom. They're related. (laughs) But like, I also just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if that were my relative, I'd be doing the exact same thing. I'd be like demanding to get inside and wanting to know what was going on. So yeah, I will grant Scully's mom that maybe she has more reason to be doing that than Scully did last episode. But then again, that's just me. Um, I do wonder why Dwayne has a huge bloodstain on his hospital shirt when he's busted in. Um, I think it's probably supposed to be like his gunshot wound, but it's not in the right place in this scene, at least. Yeah. It's like way, it's like way down, like at the bottom of his rib cage in the center of his chest. And we know he got shot in the upper chest. So, yeah, I but, don't know. You know, if you know me, I'm going to be nitpicky. <laughs> so. That's okay. So then it's 11.46 p.m. and more police have arrived at the scene and a reporter's on the lawn broadcasting. So we see that there's kind of like some chaos outside and inside Scully's mom tells Mulder that she had a dream about Scully being taken away and she was going to call Dana, but she was afraid that she was going to scare her. And then her mom's like, she would have laughed at me anyway. She doesn't believe in that kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of an interesting moment. Also, it just, I did not think about that till just now when you were actually saying, I mean, I'm reading your notes, like you're, you know, we're talking, but when you said that, it clicked in my head that like, 
Scully had the dream about her dad. Yeah. So again, like the, you know, your mother's daughter kind of action going on. Yeah, so. maybe maybe there's a little psychic ability in her family and Scully maybe. just <laughs> doesn't believe it. Maybe. Ooh. So then we go to FBI headquarters and it's 8.03 a.m. And in an office, we see the cigarette smoking man and he's smoking on a sofa and Mulder, Krychek and others are sitting around a conference table and Skinner's kind of pacing around. And he says that according to her report, Scully asserts that Dwayne's propensity for violent behavior stems entirely from brain damage. So that's what Scully believed. And Skinner asked them if that's accurate. And Krychek says there's another theory. Dwayne thinks he's about to be abducted by aliens. And if he takes someone else to the abduction site, he won't be taken himself. And so then yes. Skinner's like, and he's following orders from alien voices in his head. And Krychek's like, yeah. yeah and Krychek is answering because Mulder is out of it. Yeah, basically. he looks, yeah, he looks a little yeah. bit, yeah. you know, <laughs> his, his friend has been taken. He's probably hasn't slept all night. Well, we know he hasn't, we'll find out he has not slept all night. Yeah. He's I mean, he literally back. puts his head in his hands at one point. Yeah. So he's, he's so, not yeah. in good shape. Yeah. Um, so then Skinner asks what Mulder thinks. And Mulder points out it's weird how Dwayne Barry found Scully in the first place. And then he says that Agent Scully was carrying a piece of metal removed from Dwayne's abdomen, which they believed was a tracking device. And answers the question we had of which piece of metal that was. So it was from his abdomen. Yeah, exactly. And one of the others points out that Scully believed Mulder had made a major miscalculation in Dwayne's psychosis. In other words, she didn't believe any of this. And Mulder admits that's true, but it doesn't really explain how Dwayne found her. And then Skinner asks where he's taking her. And Mulder says that he kind of spoke about mountains, but he didn't really give a specific location. And then Skinner lets us know that Dwayne actually took Scully's car when he took her. So he took her and they got in her car. And he tells Mulder to turn his files over to HRT and go home. And Mulder tries to argue, but Skinner's like, dude, you're too close to this case. You can't do this. And then he says, if we can use you, we'll give you a call. We'll let you know. And then he tells Krychek to make sure Mulder gets home safely. And Krychek kind of gives Mulder a nod and like a little, come on, let's go. Yep. And just from last episode, so HRT is the hostage retrieval team. Right. So they're going to go look for her and they want Mulder to just go sleep. Stay out of the way. Yep. So then we're on route. Well, the the screen says we're on route 229 in Rixieville, Virginia, and it's 1123 a.m. Technically, we're not on Route 229 yet. Again, I'm being nitpicky because we see Dwayne Berry driving and he's driving down a two-lane forest road and Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds is playing, which really is kind of caught me off guard because this is like the first time in this season that we get like that kind of thing going on where they're actually playing like real music as part of the scene. It was kind of, I mean, aside from like the French Beyond the Sea that we got, which is we still haven't figured out what's going on with that. And then he takes a sharp right turn onto a bridge and then after he makes that turn, we see that he's on Route 229. So I'm not sure that maybe he was on Route 229 before, but anyway. So then he's driving. He's not driving like the best, honestly. He's right. driving kind of fast and a little erratic. And he passes a highway patrol car that's hidden in the bushes. And so it puts on its sirens, flashes its light, and it pulls him over. And so Dwayne is extremely nervous in the car, right? I mean, he's been nervous the whole time. He's twitchy. He's not <laughs> yeah. driving right at all, right? And he rolls down the window. And before the patrol officer gets out, we see him turn on his little dash cam. And then he approaches the car. And he's already got his hand on the gun. 
cops anyway so then he asked Dwayne like can you please turn down your radio can you please turn your radio off and Dwayne's like I would like to but I got to keep going and in the patrol car we hear that there's an APB issued for a suspect in the abduction of the FBI agent but obviously the patrolman doesn't hear it because Dwayne Barry's radio is like super loud right right playing red right hand so he continually asks them to turn the radio off. I mean, he does this like several times. Then Dwayne finally does. And then he's like, can you, can you give me my ticket? So I, I got to get to where I'm going. And the officer's like, well, where are you going? And he's like, I'm not sure, but they'll tell me when I get there. And then the officer looks and cause Dwayne's got his hands like down on his like lap, basically. Right. Just kind of like resting on his lap, not on the steering wheel. And he looks down and he sees Dwayne's got like his little hospital tag on still. And then there's blood on his hands and on the tag. So then the officer immediately pulls his gun again, cops, and tells him, put his hands on the wheel. And Dwayne argues he can't. He's going to be late. And the officer's like, put your hands on the wheel, you know, and exit the vehicle, which you can't do both, dude. Cop, okay, you can't put your hands on the wheel and exit the vehicle at the same time. But anyway, so cops got the gun on him. Dwayne says, no, he has to keep going. And then he says, please, for your own sake, don't stop Dwayne Barry. Right, because again, he's referring to himself in third person. And we see Scully in the trunk. And so she takes the opportunity to thump on the trunk. So the cop turns around to see what's going on. Boom! Dwayne shoots the officer. He's dead. And it was probably Scully's gun, too. And then Dwayne goes around and opens the trunk, and we see Scully, and she's all tied up. Yeah. So I I loved this scene. I loved like hearing red right hand because it just there's a soundtrack to the X-Files that is mostly Mark Snow and like the score. And then there's one called Songs in the Key of X and it's songs from and inspired by the X-Files. And so I had that album and I used to like blast it while I was driving down Forest Roads. And so like, I don't know, it just was like both brought me back to the show and to just like the memory of having that music playing while driving my car on very similar road situations. So you were cosplaying as Dwayne Barry. Here, I was not, but I'm driving <laughs> radically down in the mountains, blasting hey, my right hand. I am an exceptionally safe driver, <laughs> and I have driven up and down Echo Summit more times in my life than I've done many things. So it just was very like, oh, yay! Plus that song, it just you know how songs are—they bring back those memories. And I was just like, so, so hey. question. I re- I remember when I saw your notes on that. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about the album. I don't think I ever had it, or maybe I did. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But so it's because songs like from and inspired by. Right. And I think a lot of shows were doing that at the time. I remember yeah. I had like the the Six Feet Under one, and you had like the Sopranos and all that kind of stuff, right? Which yeah. I think that was later, but still. So were there other songs that were in the X-Files on that? Do you remember or a lot more of them like inspired by or? I think it was a mix. And I honestly can't remember which ones were actually in the show and which ones weren't. Okay. You know, one of my favorite songs from the album is um, Unmarked Helicopters by Soul Coughing. And I think Frank Black has a song and there's a couple others. And I think some of them are in the show. I don't remember which. And I actually did not remember that this song was actually in the show. But like once I heard it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like it was just yay. Okay. Yay. Unmarked helicopters one says so it could be an inspired one. Oh yeah, it absolutely it, but, could. But be, it could yeah. also be in the show. So yeah, you don't know. It's hard to tell because like you just the episodes go so many different places that they could use that music and you just yeah, it's a good album though. I really like it. I still have it somewhere. So interestingly, or not maybe depending on your point of view. So I know this song from Hellboy, and it's a okay. cover version by Pete Yorn. And that's when I first heard it. And then I learned about that. It was a cover song and I listened to the original and I'm honestly not sure which version I prefer. I think it's probably the Pete Yorn cover, which is a little bit shorter and is missing the section about the, um, the having the money 
you know, with mm-hmm. green in his hand kind of thing, you know, having all the dollars in his hand. But then I also discovered there's a PJ Harvey version from Peaky Blinders, which honestly is not that good. It's like what, the piano is way too loud. It needs to be remixed. And there's an Arctic Monkeys version, which is awful, as you would expect. And then there's also an Iggy Pop version, which again needs to be remixed. But I would probably go like, for my personal preference, I would probably go Yorn, Cave, Pop, and then the P.J. Harvey and Arctic Monkeys are probably about the same anyway. So, yeah, people can send me hate mail if they want. That's fine. But. I think for me, I've noticed that if I hear a song in like a movie or a show and it's a cover, I tend to always like that version more, maybe because it's connected to something in my head. And so maybe that's why it has that affiliation. And then I hear the original and I'm like, OK, that's that's cool. But like I like the version from the movie that I like or whatever. So, yeah, well, the Pete Yorn version is shorter. I think it's like 321 or something. Mm-hmm. And the the Nick Cave version, I think it's like six something. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it is missing a section, but it's also a little bit faster tempo and like more rock. OK, than the Nick Cave version. I mean, because it's from the Hellboy movie, right? From the right. Guillermo de Toro first one. So, but yeah, it's just that's where I first heard it. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, I've never heard that version. I should check it out. Yeah. So then we're back at FBI headquarters in the video production unit, and it's three eleven p.m. And we see the dash. We see the image of like Dwayne at the trunk and the patrol officer lying on the road. But it becomes grainy, and we can see that Mulder is actually watching the dash cam footage from the officer. And so he sees Wayne and Scully is like barely visible. And so he kind of points to Scully and he has the videographer like zoom in and do like the enhance, enhance, enhance. Mm, yeah, they love that. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, TV, any, I feel like any cop show in the 90s, 2000s was so into that. And it's like, that doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And so then they get it like clo- a close up of Scully and you can see she's still alive. And so they print a still of the photo. Yeah, and the photo they print, like, you could you could probably see her individual eyelashes in the photo. Oh, yeah, like, it's I'm a good sorry. quality. It's not like, how that a works. Super, like, yeah, a super high zoom like lens would not probably not get that image. but Well, especially from a dash cam, like, that's not going to be a great camera in the first yeah. place. And... Yeah. <sighs> so then FBI headquarters, 4.03 p.m., and Mulder is listening to a recording of his conversation with Dwayne in the travel agency. And this is the part where he's asking Dwayne where he's going when he takes the doctor, Dr. Hackey. And Dwayne says he's going to go to the place where the aliens first got him. And Mulder asks where that is. And Dwayne says, a mountain. Up, up, ascending to the stars. And Krychek brings Mulder a coffee and he asks how he slept. And Mulder's like, I didn't. And he replays Dwayne's comment a few times. And then he asks where the patrol officer was killed. And Krychek says on Route 229. So Mulder thinks that route leads to the Blue Ridge Parkway. And so he gets up and he grabs a phone book and he kind of flips through it. And then he finds an ad that shows a gondola and it says, ascend to the stars. And it's an ad for a place called Skyland Mountain, which boasts spectacular views and a full service grill. That's and important. It is important. So Mulder tells Krychek to get his car and meet him downstairs in five minutes. And Krychek's like, uh, what about Skinner? And Mulder's like, I'll deal with Skinner. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it is weird that. Mulder has to ask where the officer was shot because he has the dash cam. Like, wouldn't he have the details of that? Like, I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. And also, ever since last episode, I've just been assuming that the place where Dwayne was first abducted was where he was found in 1982 following that botched stakeout where he was left for dead. Yeah, like, that's you know. what I thought, too. And I thought that's what they were implying. But it doesn't seem like that. I mean, it's, I, I guess it still could be. But that seems weird that it would be like at a mountain resort. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's probably being a whole year into a pandemic talking. But when I saw that ad, I was like, I would give my left kidney to go up a gondola and eat at a restaurant with a beautiful view. Like I would sell some organs for that right now. I'm at that point in the pandemic. You should be careful what you say because this is being recorded. So, But anyway, yeah, I would love to do that. I know Skyland Mountain's not real, but I was just like, oh, like pawing at the screen. All sympathy for Mr. Vengeance out here finding you in a bathtub with organs missing. (laughs) It's it's a metaphor. I wouldn't really give an organ, but I would love to do something like that. In a bathtub full of ice with tickets (laughs) to dinner in your hand. And yeah. Look, if it gets me out of the house... (laughs) At this point, <laughs> you I know, know that might be that might give some additional complications for COVID if you're missing some organs. I could mm. be wrong, but that's true. Oh my gosh! Anyway, yeah. So I just was like, I want to go there. I want to go there. Anyway, doesn't exist. So in the parking garage, Krychek is at his car. He's like standing at the car and he's on his cell phone and he's talking to someone and he tells them that they think Scully's been taken to Skyland Mountain and he'll hold off until they can locate her. And when he sees Mulder approach, he gets kind of quiet and he's like, here he comes, here he comes. And he hangs up. And then they get in the car and drive through the garage. And we actually see Krychek get in the driver's seat and Mulder gets in the passenger seat. This is going to come up in the next scene. And then as they drive away, we see the cigarette smoking man is sitting in a different car. And he like puts the antenna down on his cell phone. So he is probably the person Krychek was talking to. And then we get a commercial. I do like if he was talking to Krychek, he really likes listening to the sound of the dial tone because like the call ends they get in the car, they tear through the parking garage, they drive past him, and then he takes the phone away from his ear and puts down the antenna. Like, what were you listening to, Mr. Cigarette Smoking Man? Like, Maybe he's trying to look like he's still talking to someone or something in case maybe hide his face a little. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Going back to your mention of what's happened in the next scene, I also did go check because in the garage, Krychek's car looks black. But then later we find out it's kind of like a dark reddish. But I did double check. It does have the same license plates. So I think it was just the garage is dark. And it's that kind of, it was kind of like that dark red color. So it kind of looked darker than it was in the garage. So, yeah. Yeah. So then we're on Route 211 in Warrington, Virginia. And it's 5.45 p.m. And so now Mulder's in the driver's seat. So apparently at some point they pulled off and Mulder like forced him out of the driver's seat. And it's like, I'm driving, which I just, I love that. I wish we'd gotten that scene. I just think it's really funny. Or they just weren't paying attention. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. (laughs) That's probably what happened because like in the garage, I even went back and checked and made sure that Mulder did get in the passenger seat and Mm -hmm. he did. So, but yeah, it's probably a mistake, but I do love the idea of Mulder being like, pull off. I'm, I'm taking over. So you are driving too fast in the garage, Krychek. This is not safe. I'm going to drive. Well, that's ironic because Krychek <laughs> is worried about Mulder's driving. So they head down the road and they drift into the wrong lane and they almost get into this head-on collision with a semi-truck. And so Krychek wakes up Mulder and, you know, he swerves out of the way just in time. And Krychek's like, dude, I should drive. You haven't slept at all. And Mulder's like, I'm fine. <laughs> he's so not fine, but he's like, I'm fine. And so then Krychek starts like talking about how like apparently they say Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, and the Exxon Valdez spill were all linked to sleep deprivation. And we also know that's bad because of sleepless. So obviously not sleeping is not good. And he also gives the statistic that the U.S. Department of Transportation estimates over 190,000 fatal car crashes are actually caused by sleepiness. 
And then Mulder asks if they estimate how many are caused by listening to their statistics. Which is rude. But it's anyway. kind of rude, but he's not, he's never really nice to cry check. And as a fan of statistics, that's rude. So, yeah. So, and then Mulder says, like, he kind of is like looking over and he's like, okay, look, I know we should have told Skinner, but as soon as we find them, we'll alert the Bureau. And then Crycheck asks if he really thinks that Dwayne tracked down Scully with the implant. And Mulder says that's the easiest explanation, but it's also the most implausible. He says anyone could have given him Scully's address. He doesn't know who, but someone could have. So that could have been how yeah. he found her. I mean, you know, Occam's Razor, Gordian Knot, Sherlock Holmes. Once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable must be the truth. I mean, he does say that's the easiest explanation, but it's also the most implausible. So right. maybe it's true. Sadly, uh, spoiler, we're not really going to find out. Yeah, we don't ever do. We don't ever no. find out how that happened. And it's kind of weird that Dwayne targeted Scully at all, except that the plot needed him to target Scully. <laughs> yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. another thing. Like it. Yeah. So there's implications that it was done on purpose and not that he tracked her by the alien probe or whatever we're going to call it, right? The implant. Right. Just because it works out conveniently for certain people that Scully disappears. But yeah, we're never we're never really given like information as to what really happened. Right. So. So they reach Skyland Mountain and they're kind of at the base where the gondola starts and they're talking to an employee and Krychek shows him Dwayne's mugshot and the employee's like, yeah, this guy was here. And so Krychek's like, he's wanted for kidnapping a federal agent. And they ask him if he let Dwayne up the tram and the employee's like, no, no, no. The tram is shut down for the summer. And he told Dwayne he was going to have to take the back road. And this was about 45 minutes ago, we learn. And then Mulder's like, was there a woman with him? And the guy's like, no, no woman. He was alone. And Krychek asks how long it takes to drive up the road. And the man's like, oh, it's a little over an hour. And Mulder's like, okay, I need to get up there right now. So I need you to let me up the tram. And the man's like, no way. They just finished refitting the cable and it hasn't been tested with passengers yet. It's not safe. You're going to have to drive. And Mulder's like, there's no time. And the man's like, dude, you don't have a choice. We're not running people up the tram right now. And Mulder menacingly like pulls back his jacket and puts his hand on the gun. And he's like, no, you don't have a choice, which mm. not, I mean, it's not a great look, but I mean, Mulder's kind of desperate. So I kind of get yeah, it. Yeah. There's a lot of ad cab stuff in this episode in particular, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So then inside the control booth, the employee tells Mulder that he can't stop him from going up, but if there's a problem with the cable, he's going to shut it down. And so Mulder gets in one of the cars and like shuts the door in Krychek's face. And he's like, Krychek, stay here. And the operator tells him kind of how to run the gondola, like, which is weird to me that there's a way to individually drive a car. Like all the trams I've ever been in, like there probably is like behind a panel, some way to control the car. But normally it's like controlled from below because they want all the cars going the same speed and everything. Well, that's probably more of a technological thing, though, too. I mean, if it's older, it would make more sense for it to be individually run, like a, okay, like, like like any kind of vehicle, because to have it run from like a central location, then you have to have like communication and controls that get to the, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense. I said that was a little weird because I wouldn't want tourists in a gondola being able to control their, you know. Well, I think there's always supposed to be an operator inside. It's like like old fashioned. It's like old fashioned elevators, right? Like there was always someone there that pushed the button for you or actually like there was like a lever to go up and down. So I think that's what this is like. Okay, that would make sense. I could see that. 
So the operator also tells him not to crank it faster than 15 miles per hour, which of course Mulder immediately does. Like he immediately gets yeah. in. Is which like, he has to shout at Mulder because as the guy's telling Mulder how to use it, Mulder's already started it and is like going up. And so the yeah. guy's like shouting at him to not go faster than 15 Yeah, miles he's per hour. not wasting any time. So um, they get back in the booth and the operator radios the car and he tells him he needs to slow down. The cable can't hold at that speed. Yeah. And then like, I mean, to go back to that, I mean, maybe don't design your vehicles to go faster than they're supposed to without, like, breaking things. There's yeah, a thought. It's not I a mean, great plan. Not a great system. Yeah. I mean, you could put a... I mean, and if it's like comes from the factory that way, like, put a limiter on it. I mean, they have those, you know, so it limits speed on vehicles. I mean, but, yeah. Yeah. So then interspersed, we see shots of Dwayne driving up the mountain road with Scully in the trunk. And we see Mulder in the gondola and he's like cranking the speed up. And then like the radio keeps calling him and he finally picks it up and the message kind of breaks up. But he hears something about how he needs to slow down around the towers that like hold the cables. Like every time. Yeah, and he's tower. going like 30 miles an hour. He's going like twice the speed the dude told him not to. Go. Yeah. So he does turn it down when he gets up to the tower. And then as soon as he gets past the tower, he like turns it back up. And then when he approaches the tower, he turns it back down. So he's like cranking it up the mountain mm -hmm. and Krychek is like in the booth and they're watching on the monitor and Krychek asks how close he is. And the operator says Mulder will be up top in a minute. And then Krychek takes his gun and he knocks the operator out with the back of it. And then he turns his tram off. And mm -hmm. so the car stops and kind of swings on the cable and Mulder radios and he asks what's going on. And he's like, Krychek, turn on the tram. And Krychek totally ignores him and makes a phone call and he says he has Mulder held up there and he'll keep him there until the person on the other end of the line advises him on what to do. Yeah, because Krychek's entire job in this situation was to make sure the operator didn't turn it off. And yet the exact opposite happened. Well, it's because Krychek's not working with Mulder. <laughs> what? I know. Shocking. See, I think we were complaining about knowing that Krychek was. Yeah, this would have been the scene where you're like, What? If they had not done that yeah, this would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it's kind of well, because I think with the phone call with the cigarettes, we would have. Uh, yeah. Well, they could have, but they could have ditched the phone call and saved that for now because then he gets on the phone again and tells them like, I've got him trapped. Like they could have skipped that original phone call. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so we definitely know Krychek is up to no good. And then we see Dwayne in the car reaches the top of the lodge and like, there's like a parking lot and so he parks the car and in the trunk scully feels the car stop yeah we're at the summit of this the, of the mountain and yet as he's like getting ready to stop there's like more mountains in the horizon that are taller than the mountain we're on which is yeah i thought it, i thought it was kind of funny but anyway because we're, yeah. be we're supposed to be at the tallest mountain that's why the aliens go there but. <laughs> So meanwhile, Mulder's in the tram and he's like radioing the control booth and no one's answering. So then he goes over, there's like a, in the corner, there's kind of like a place that says emergency evacuation gear. So he pulls it out and there's like a jumpsuit and ropes and pulleys and he kind of looks at it and then drops it. And he pulls down the ladder that goes up to the roof of the car and he climbs up and then he starts climbing up the actual rope of the tram. I'm not sure what he's going to do if he's going to try and like... Yeah. Mulder doesn't need all that safety equipment. Just throw no, that on the floor. He's just, just going to like <laughs> rope climb across the rest of the way. Yeah. And so then Krychek sees him doing that and he's like, oh God, okay. And so then he turns the car back on and Mulder falls down onto the roof of the tram. And for a moment he kind of dangles off. 
And while he's dangling off, there's like this really picturesque sunset behind him and it's really pretty. And then he manages to like climb back onto the roof of the car. And then we see the car reaches the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then Crycheck does a little like, oh, because then he realizes like, oh, I just let him get to the top of the mountain. That's cool. That was a good plan. So, yeah. And by the way, David Duchovny did his own stunts for this scene. So yep. good for him. Yep. It's a little I scary. Have to say, it does get dark extremely fast for being in the mountains. Like, cause it's like sunny when he's in the tram and then he's on the tram and it's like sunset. And then when he's off the tram, it's like full on dark. Yeah. In scene. So it gets really dark, which is usually not what happens in the mountains. It usually stays light for quite a long time because you're up above the horizon. But, uh, yeah. So, as I said, Mulder is racing down a road with his gun drawn, and it's dark. The sun has gone down, and it's also kind of raining. And we hear there's a weather report playing on a radio, and it turns out that's the radio of Scully's car, which has just been left parked with its lights on and the radio on and the driver's side door open. And the car's empty, but the steering wheel has blood all over it. So Mulder reaches over. And he pulls the little trunk lever by the seat. And he opens it. And there's this rope that is basically looks like it has been passed through a wound. The rope is covered in blood. There's almost Mm -hmm. like no rope part that has not got blood on it. And then he also finds Scully's cross necklace. And then a bright light shines. And it's aliens. And Mulder (laughs) looks up. And he's like, oh, no. And then it zooms away off in the sky. Right? And then he hears this maniacal laughter. <laughs> so he runs towards it and it's Dwayne. And he's out in the middle of a field and he's like, yes, yes, I'm free of you, son of a bitches. <laughs> you can't touch Dwayne Barry anymore because he exchanged, right? He gave them Scully and so they're not going to abduct him anymore. So he's happy. And so Mulder's like, where's Scully? Where is she? And Dwayne's like, they took her. And Mulder's like, who? And he's like, them. And Mulder gets Dwayne's hand behind his back and is pulling him. And then another bright light appears over the horizon and Dwayne loses his shit. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Because that wasn't part of the deal, aliens. You're not supposed to come and take Dwayne Barry. Yep. And then it's commercial time. Again. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're at the Skyland Mountain Summit and it's 8.46 p.m. And we see the Skyland Mountain building. And a voice tells us the search and rescue copter found them, Mulder and Dwayne. And so they sent out five teams to search for the missing federal agent, obviously Scully. And inside we see Dwayne is being patched up by EMTs and they leave. And we see Mulder sitting in a chair and he's looking dejected. And once they're alone, Mulder stands and he asks what happened after Dwayne took Scully out of the trunk. And Dwayne says he walked her up to the place where Mulder found him. And Mulder's like, then where did you take her? And Dwayne's like, I didn't. They did. That was the deal. Like, they took her instead of him. Yep. So this is the point where I was like, wait, no one's found the poor operator that's been, like, knocked out. This is explained later. But at this moment, I was like, wait a second. How has no one noticed that this guy has not, like, been injured and is, like, in the booth, like, unconscious? I don't know if it's explained later, but we do get an idea. Well, we get, yeah, we get told later that someone did figure out he was missing. So we know that he was not left in the booth. Like to just, you know, someone can yeah. check. Or no one's checked the booth yet, possibly. Yeah. To see that he's missing. Or I guess. I just assume with whatever. that many authorities coming up the mountain, they would have stopped there. And I, I mean, know. it's dark now, so they might have missed it. Yeah. So, 
They did get Dwayne Berry's injury in the correct place, though, in this one. And then I had noticed early on his sweatshirt that the blood was in the correct spot up on his chest that he's wearing. I do wonder where he got those clothes, though. I mean, those obviously aren't Scully's clothes. Maybe he stopped somewhere and stole some clothes or something. Yeah, I don't know. So Mulder stares at him for a long time, and then he's like, did you kill her? And Dwayne swears he didn't. Dwayne says he saw them take her. And Mulder says all he saw was a helicopter. And Dwayne insists that he's not lying. And then federal agents in suits kind of appear in the window behind Mulder. And Dwayne's like, ask them. They know what happened. And Mulder turns and there's like no one there. So it's kind of unclear if these are actual federal agents who are on site or if Dwayne's just seeing things. And then um, he makes Dwayne sit down and he's like, settle down. Because Dwayne is getting really like, you know how Dwayne is. (laughs) Dwayne's very hyperactive. And so he shouts, like, the military's in on it. And Mulder shoves him down, and he sees there's, like, blood with hair on Dwayne's hospital bracelet. And he basically demands to know if Dwayne hurt her, and he shows him the blood, and he's like, what's this? What's this? And he puts his hand on Dwayne's neck and strangles him. And then after a minute, he lets go and shoves Dwayne into a chair, and Dwayne coughs. Yeah, and it's like, damn, Mulder, dude. It's just like cat hair. Like, calm down. Like, yeah, kind of lost it. Also, I mean, so far, honestly, Dwayne Barry hasn't lied at all. Like, I'm going to take that those were actual agents looking through the window. Okay. So, I mean, I think they were actually possibly, I didn't go back and check. I meant to, and I didn't have time. I think they might be the same agents that are actually in episode Dwayne Barry when he sees, like, men in black behind the aliens when he's being abducted as well. I think those might be the same dudes. Okay. So, But I'm going to take it that they are there. I'm, I'm going to give Dwayne the credit. I mean, and if he's hallucinating, he's still not lying. True. He's just seeing that, right? So, yeah. But also, Mold, like, one of the things Mulder gets upset about is because Dwayne's face is all burned on one side, like radiation burn kind of looking. And he's like, how did that happen? And he's like, it's from them. You And, like, Mulder knows all that stuff. He knows all about, like, radiation burns and UFO abductions, and that would explain it. But yet he's just not, like, he's just overcome with whatever. And, yeah, uh, well, grief like, and worry and fear, and for yeah. all he knows, this guy killed Scully and dumped her body in the woods. So he's, yeah, you know, he's definitely being a bad cop, though. And regardless whether Dwayne killed her or not, it's Dwayne's fault she's gone. He took her, so you know, I don't think his rage is that misplaced. <laughs> no, but you don't get to strangle suspects. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying know. he should have done that. I'm just saying that I, I get it. I, you know, I'm sorry. You got to be held to a higher level. You don't get to you don't get to lose your cool and strangle people. So, yeah. So Mulder takes a moment and then he grabs his jacket to leave. And Dwayne says he's sorry. And Mulder turns around and Dwayne's like, they had to take her. I hope they're not hurting her too much with the tests. And like he apologizes again. And Mulder's just pissed and he just leaves. And he passes Crycheck out in the hall. And Crycheck asks what he said. And Mulder's like, he's giving me nothing. And then Mulder's like, are you all alone out here? And Krychek says, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, no one goes in or out of that room where Dwayne is. Like, just make sure no one goes in or out. And so then he walks to the window at the front of the building. And then we see Scully and she's lying on this flat surface with bright lights all around her. And there's like this tube that comes down and everything's super washed out and white. And the tube like inflates her belly or something. It's really weird. And there's like this medical device sticking out of her. And then it kind of backs up and we see her lying on this table with this huge like protruding belly and this machine stuck to her, which is really disturbing. Yeah. And obviously this is pregnant. Jillian right. Anderson, right. And she's got like a bicycle pump attached to her stomach. Yeah. yeah disturbing. <laughs> 
I don't want anyone inflating my stomach. Thanks. Yep. Got the bicycle pump hooked up to her belly button. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm, she probably just like breathed out. Yeah. So that, Cause oh she God. was obviously, <laughs> and they just like, yeah, this will make it like it's growing. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that they had a way to do yeah. that. It just looked really, I was like, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. No, thank you. You don't want to tell her to push too much. Just in case. Oh, <laughs> That'd be a story. Hey, you were born on the set of the X-Files because they were yeah, trying to this. Yeah, way to take the bicycle pump off your mom's stomach so we could get the doctor in there. Anyway, I do have to say, like, one, I mean, I think this is supposed to be Mulder imagining because, like, he goes to the window and he's looking at, like, a bright light through the window. And then that light turns into the bright light of the room. And then when this scene ends, it kind of reverses that. So I think this is him imagining, like, what might be happening to Scully. But if it is actually what's happened to Scully, alien technology has like really declined since Dwayne Barry was last abducted because like the decor is different, the lighting's all different. Like, you know, like when Dwayne Barry was abducted, it was all like super, super technological and it was dark and it was like contrasting light and all that kind of stuff. And Scully is like in super bright light and she's basically got like a metal pipe with a rubber hose sticking out of it and then taped to her stomach. So it's kind of, yeah, kind of low rent aliens, but. Yeah. So Mulder heads back into the room where Dwayne's being held and Krychek is in there talking to him and Mulder taps the glass and like, is like, you know, get out of there. So Krychek comes out and he says, Dwayne said that you choked him. And Mulder's like, no one talks to the suspect but me. And then he asks if Krychek asked about Scully and Krychek says that Dwayne said something about the stairway to heaven. So Mulder's like, whatever. And he heads to the front door and Krychek tells some forest service guys to just watch Dwayne and make sure he doesn't leave the room, basically. Yeah. I mean, maybe Dwayne was listening to some Led Zeppelin after some Nick Cave. Who knows? Stairway to heaven, right? Maybe, yeah. Again, Dwayne is not lying because Mulder did try to choke him. And Mulder's not really being a good cop because he's angry that Krychek is in there. He's like, bang, bang, bang on the window. Yeah, he doesn't want anyone around him. Yeah, yeah. Not a good look, Mulder. Not a good look. I get it, though, Mulder. I get it. <laughs> but then, dun da da, Skinner arrives. Woo! <laughs> yeah, with a whole bunch of F- like he just walks in the door. It's, all, it's almost like Darth Vader coming with a bunch of stormtroopers. I mean, not like in a bad way, but like it's got that look of like it's Skinner in his trench coat, and then like he's got a bunch of agents around him on the side, just all boom. You know who's in charge right now? me this yeah time. so no, he has like a whole gaggle of fbi people around yeah. like it's a huge amount and he asks if they have Dwayne barry and then he tells Mulder that he disobeyed a direct order and then down the hall someone starts shouting to call the paramedics so they rush into the room and Dwayne is on the floor gagging and he stops breathing and emts rush in and they start to do cpr and then it's another commercial yep yeah a lot of commercial breaks luckily we don't have to watch them because dvd yeah Skinner also does that cool, which I think is also a Darth Vader move, where when he tells Mulder that he disobeyed direct order, he actually walks past Mulder and just kind of turns his head, but doesn't actually look at Mulder. He's like, Mulder, you disobeyed a direct order. Like, Mulder's behind him, so he's not actually looking at him when he's telling him that. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a Darth Vader stan. Anyway, so were the four three guys on Team Crycheck, Team Cigarette Smoking Man, or did the aliens, like, flip a switch and kill Dwayne Barry? Okay, I have a different theory. Anyway. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay, I think well, Krychek, Krychek did something. Oh, okay. Krychek was in the room with him. He was touching him. 
Okay. Well, I'm just like the last people with him though were those forestry agent guys. Mm-hmm. So, they but if it's poison, been... you could give it to him, like in water. Oh, and it takes a while away, to react. And then mm. I think, yeah, yeah, I think Crycheck did it. We did see that in Miracle Man, which was also directed by Michael Lang. Yeah, he could be using the same move. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. see. We got a little ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I think Crycheck. We did. Yeah. Also, the EMT is totally jamming his thumb into Dwayne Barry's eye while he's inserting the mouth tube. And it's like, <laughs> dude, like the actor is probably like, dude, get your thumb out of my eye. <laughs> like he's wearing gloves and everything, but it's like, it's like he's trying to like gouge his eye out. It is oh, really God. in there. I'm glad I it didn't is see harsh. That. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, it is really like in there. <laughs> anyway, so then we're at the FBI Academy morgue. Uh oh, Dwayne Barry. In Quantico, Virginia, and it's 6.07 a.m., so next day. And then we see a toe tag that reads, Barry Dwayne, case number 197735, and it's dated 808.94. Okay. I double-checked. I zoomed it. Um, I know you weren't sure if it was 808 or 809. Yeah, it was just hard to read because that number was really squiggly, and so I couldn't tell. But there's the, there's enough eights and nines that you can tell the other one is supposed to be an eight. And okay. it's like they wrote it with a Sharpie, too. It's like, okay, that's good. Like, yeah, whatever. But the hostage situation from last episode started on 8-7. And we know at least two nights have passed since then. Right. So technically, at the earliest, this should be like 8-10, no matter what. Yeah, well, that's why I thought it was but, nine. Because I was like, it seems like it can't be 8-8. Eight, eight, yeah, but, no, but... but it does But it does say 8-8-9-4. Eight, eight, okay. Yeah. Zero eight zero eight nine four. So yeah. someone did not think about the dates on there. <laughs> yeah, and it says Skyland, Virginia on it in the little tag as well. Because the location, obviously, where he was found dead. And Mulder's standing over the body. And the body is like, like almost like Egyptian style, like wrapped like a mummy in the sheet. It's not like the sheet's laying over it. It's like totally wrapped. Like you can see like the outline of a body. Like mm-hmm. it's like almost like it's in a cocoon. And a woman comes in and she's like, oh, she's like surprised to see Mulder. And so he flashes his badge and he's like, can I get a copy of the autopsy report? And she's like, well, it's still incomplete. And he's like, are you the pathologist? And she says, yes. And he's like, so what's the preliminary findings? And so she's like, mm, okay. well, the second degree burns on his face. He has contusions on the neck. He has a bruised larynx. And she's like, if I had to list the cause of death at this point, I would probably say it was asphyxiation. Meaning like he was strangled, right? And then Mulder asked about toxicology, but she's like, the results aren't back on that yet. And he's like, well, when will it be on file? And she's like, well, later this morning. He's like, okay, can you send me a copy like soon as it's available? And she's like, um, no, you'll have to go through regular military channels to get a copy of this report. And he's like, what? Like military? And she's like, yes, Quantico was under military jurisdiction and there wasn't an FBI pathologist available that morning. And I'm just like, ooh, too soon, lady, because it would have been Scully doing that I know, autopsy if I she know. was there. Like, too soon, too soon, <laughs> like rubbing it in his face. Um, and then she, like, just wheels the body away. So I do, like, okay, Quantico is under military jurisdiction. Like, it's like a Marine base. I know that much. But then why aren't all autopsies given the same, like, military channel routine? And this is an FBI case, and it's regarding an FBI agent really too because Dwayne Barry used to be an FBI agent but they're not going to get access to the report on their own case like that doesn't make any sense yeah I don't I don't I didn't understand that either it seemed weird like they were coming in and taking over I think I think it's probably because certain people have pulled strings to make those reports not available to Mulder but yeah I don't know yeah I think it's supposed to be like government conspiracy crap right right yeah also I just wonder if maybe this is the writer's first script and he's not that good 
So. Did he write anything before X Files, though? He no, might... he's only. Well, I, oh. I don't know if he's worked on anything before X Files, but he'll. This is his first X Files. Okay. He only does one more later this season, and then so he's like two and done. That's it. Okay. So, might maybe wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> Again, going back to that weird thing of like, why is Chris Carter not involved in the second parter of his episode? But I mean, I'm sure he's involved. But yeah, I'm sure he had some weird. say. I'm sure it wasn't just. Paul Brown writing it with no regard for what Chris Carter wanted. Yeah, it's it just, still just seems weird. It is weird that Chris didn't write it. I don't really know why that happened. Yeah. I guess we could ask Chris Carter. Chris Carter, if you want to weigh in, let us know. Probably just tell us some story. So then we're in downtown Washington, D.C., and it's 6.16 a.m. Yeah, they're getting... They're really specific on times in this one. It's like they're trying really hard, like for that verite, like this is real life and everything's not like 6 a.m., 6.30. But I think it's going to bite them in the butt here in a little bit. So Yeah. So Krychek's walking through a parking garage and he gets into his car and he like is startled because the cigarette smoking man is in the passenger seat and he's smoking. And Krychek tells him that Skinner is expecting his report and he's like not sure what to tell him. And cigarette smoking man is just like the truth. Confirm Mulder's version of events. So Krychek's surprised, and Cigarette Smoking Man is like, you've earned Mulder's trust, now you have to preserve it. And Krychek's like, for how much longer? And Cigarette Smoking Man says, until the assignment is complete. And then Krychek's like, well, why don't we just eliminate Mulder if he's such a threat? And Cigarette Smoking Man says, kill Mulder, and you risk turning one man's religion into a crusade. And then Krychek asks about Scully and Cigarette Smoking Man says they've taken care of that. And Krychek is like, I have a right to know what's going on. And Cigarette Smoking Man is like, you have no rights, only orders. And if you have a problem with that, we can make other arrangements. And then the Cigarette Smoking Man gets out of the car. Yeah, after he puts out his cigarette in the ashtray. Yeah. So apparently Cigarette Smoking Man's line in this conversation is kind of a direct response to viewers who kept asking, like, if Mulder's such a threat to these people, why not just kill him? And one of those people was even sci-fi writer Harlan Ellison. So apparently he had even asked Chris Carter, like, you know, what's the reason they're not just killing him off? So I guess they put this scene in to kind of explain that. According to Brian Lowry, and we know how much we can trust him. <laughs> trust no one. Anyway. <laughs> and then all like, a crusade by whom? Like, how popular is Mulder? I mean, we know he has a few fans, but like, who's going to pick up the mantle? It's just, it's not really that good of an answer. I, again, I think it's probably one of those things, like you said, like they put that in there because people are like, why would you not just do this? Well, I mean, we've but, even asked that question, right? We've been yeah. like, why aren't they just killing them if there's such a problem? Yeah. And I, I get it. Cause like, I mean, there are like people like the lone gunman and there are people who follow Mulder's work. And so even though they're not in, I think in the FBI, he's not super popular, but there are other people out there. And I think if they did kill Mulder, there are definitely people who would see that as like, he's a martyr now. And once you turn someone into a martyr it causes all kinds of problems. Yeah. But if they're not really, if, if they're letting Mulder handle everything now, would they really take up the fight or would they just be like, Oh, I'm going to shut up. Cause I don't want to be dead. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure half a dozen of one, half a dozen of the other. Some people would be like, oh, I'm not getting involved in that nonsense. Like X is like, I'm not going to die like Deep Throat. Yeah. But then uh, other people are going to be like, oh, there's something going on here. We got to get to the bottom of it. 
Yeah. I was wondering how people on TV constantly get into their vehicles without realizing like someone I else know. is already in the car, especially if they probably smell like a thousand dirty ashtrays. But then I rewatched the scene and like when Krychek went up to the car, he looks really nervous and he's looking around. I think he knew he was going to meet the cigarette smoking man. Yeah. And just was super uncomfortable about it because then he says like, what am I supposed to tell Skinner? So it's right. almost like he's like, that was a set. Like he was supposed to meet him. Like he wasn't surprised. Cause yeah. Like, so I'm not sure either way. It's not. That would make sense. But as, as a yeah. woman who grew up in the eighties and nineties, like I never go near my car without double checking. There's no one in the back seat. Like that is well, especially, but especially if they're <laughs> in the passenger seat, right? Yeah. You're getting oh, yeah. into your car. You're, you're looking into the car before you sit down and right. see someone in the passenger seat. Plus, yeah, you would smell the cigarettes. Cause that guy's gotta be seeped in it. See. Yeah. He's got, he's, He's got to not smell good. Yeah. yeah. No. Honestly. Yeah. Although I don't remember William B. Davis himself smelling bad. Just for. No, but William B. Davis doesn't smoke as much as like the cigarette smoking no. man is supposed to smoke. Just saying. William B. Davis no. smells nice. Anyway. Yeah, although we, this, this will come up later. The cigarette smoking man doesn't really smoke that much cigarettes because he leaves almost entire cigarettes in ashtrays. They're <laughs> yes, like. He, he smokes like half a cigarette and puts it out. Like he, just, he yeah, likes the They're almost ones. entire cigarettes. Yeah. So then we're at FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C. Surprise, surprise. It's 1036 a.m. And Skinner is reading the autopsy report on Dwayne Barry. And it says that he appeared to have expired from prolonged hypoxia secondary to asphyxiation, most likely due to strangulation based on the bruising of the neck and the condition of the larynx. And Skinner asked Mulder to speak to that. And Mulder's like, I didn't kill him if that's what you're asking. And Mulder says he did push Dwayne Barry while interrogating him, and he did lose control momentarily. But Dwayne was alive when he left the room, and Krychek even spoke to him after. So he was, you know, Mulder didn't kill him. Because if you're strangled to death, you're not talking a lot. And Skinner says Krychek says that he entered the room because Dwayne was gagging. So that doesn't bode well for Mulder. But Krychek supports Mulder's story. The only issue is now they have a dead suspect and no other plausible cause of death. Yeah, and Krychek isn't there. Skinner just says that Krychek does support a story. And like, I'm sorry, Mulder, but you did like full on throttle Dwayne Barry. Oh, yeah. Momentarily or not, you full on tried to choke him. Oh, yeah. No, he tried to strangle him. And, you know, I mean, he he was in a rage. (laughs) He was in a rage. Yeah. So then another department, the OPC, which is the Office of Professional Conduct, wants both Mulder and Krychek to take a lie detector test. And Mulder stands to go report to the test, but then stops to say that there's another plausible cause of death. He could have been poisoned. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were talking about earlier. And Skinner kind of opens the report to like see, check the toxicology, I guess. And Mulder's like, yeah, he's you're like, not- I missed that. Where yeah. That? <laughs> he's like, what? Uh, and Mulder says, you're not going to find that on the report. And Skinner's like, what are you saying? And Mulder asserts the autopsy is incomplete and the military covered up the pathology. And Skinner asks why they do that. And Mulder's like, because they know where Scully is. And there's this man in a suit, and he just very exasperatedly is like, why are you so paranoid, Mulder? And I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was the funniest thing, because this guy just is so done with Mulder's stuff. It was hilarious. And Mulder says it's because he finds it hard to trust anybody. And the cigarette smoking man is just sitting there and takes a really long drag on his cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... the. Skinner says OPC, which is the Office of Professional Conduct, which I had to look up. I I could not find anywhere that said that. But then later in the next scene, we're going to see, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, the door that 
Krychek and Mulder in front of actually says Office of Professional Responsibility, which is an actual internal FBI department. So whether it was supposed to be OPC or they changed it on purpose or it was a mistake. But then in the next scene, Krychek says they have an appointment scheduled at the LPC. So I don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, I don't know either. Outside the conference room, Mulder asks Krychek for his keys. And Krychek's like, uh, we have to go take a lie detector test. But he does give in and give Mulder his keys anyway. Yeah, and that's when he says LPC. So I could have just waited to say all that, and I didn't. I thought it was a longer section. But it's not. It's only a two sentences. Anyway, <laughs> then we're at the office of Senator Richard Matheson. Well, actually, we're outside the office of Senator Richard Matheson. And it is 1145 in the morning. And Mulder is heading up to Matheson's office. He's inside the stairwell. Could we get an outside shot? And then we see Mulder inside the stairs. But then X steps out of the shadows. And he's on the stairs. And he tells Mulder that he wasted a trip. That there's nothing the senator can do for him now. And then Mulder asks, he's like, do they have something on Matheson? And X is like, they have something on everyone. It's just a question of when they will use it. And so X says that no one can help him now. He's on his own. And Mulder says that X's predecessor could have helped him. Again, it's like, Mulder, dude. Mm. So there's a little bit of silence going on there because they're talking about Deep Throat, who is now dead. Yeah. Um, I thought X was actually going to come back with like, and he's dead because yeah. of that. But he didn't. So <laughs> he Mulder just thinks the silence hanging in the air, and I think that's more effective. Yeah, I think just... that kind of says it, yeah. So then Mulder <laughs> thinks X knows where Scully is. X tells him it's beyond him. And then Mulder demands an answer. And X is like, instead ask why they would kill Dwayne Barry if there was nothing to hide. And Mulder's like, you mean the government? Mulder's getting a little scully here a little bit with the like questions that you're asking that he just answered. But anyway, and then X is like, there are no answers for you, Mr. Mulder. They have only one policy. Deny everything. Dun, dun, dun. And then X walks away and Mulder goes back to the car and he's like, oh, and he's just like just sitting there like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And he's kind of looking around. And then he notices that because he's in, he's in Krychek's car, which I guess is Krychek's personal car now. That answers maybe some other questions we had earlier, too. I guess Krychek uses his personal car for FBI business, which is cool, I guess. Yeah, you can write off and the mileage. It's cool. I guess. I mean, you <laughs> wouldn't want like you wouldn't want perps to track you. But anyway, so he notices the ashtray is like partially open. It's not closed all the way. So he opens it and he pulls out a half a cigarette. And then uh, I wanted to say we were going to go commercial, but we actually don't go to commercial because we've already had too many commercials. So yeah, find cigarette butts. Ooh. Yep, yep, yep. So then we're at FBI headquarters and it's 8, 11 a.m. So I'm guessing this is the next day. Yeah, you would think that. But Mulder is wearing the same suit and same tie. And I'm not sure that it took him a whole day to write the report that he wrote that we're going to talk about in a minute. So I think they just messed up. I think this is where they bit him in the butt and they put the wrong time. That's entirely so I'm possible. Say, I'm going to call it. They messed up. Yep. So Skinner is in his office with Mulder and he's reading Mulder's report. And Skinner kind of looks up and he's like, this is a serious allegation. And Mulder's like, it's true. And so Skinner basically sums up the report that Agent Krychek was conscripted to impede an FBI investigation and may also be responsible for the death of a suspect in a capital murder case, which would be Twain Berry. And then Mulder's like, it goes on. And 
Skinner's like, and the possible murder of a tram operator at Skyland Mountain, who is apparently missing. So this is where we find out that they know that guy is missing. They just haven't found a body, so they don't know what's going on there. Yeah, also I'm wondering if he's responsible for the death of a suspect in a capital murder case. Does that mean that they think Scully is dead? I think so. I think that's what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of who else he murdered. Um. Yeah, because he didn't kill anybody else. Because unless Bob died of his wounds, which we uh, never uh, found out. Bob was. I mean, again, I am Bob, but Bob was kind of a dick. Yeah. So. Well, we don't know. We just don't know what happened to Bob. So that could. Yeah, be I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume Bob lived. But. Yeah, I think they're referring to Scully. I think that because they can't find her, and so they assume that she must be dead. Okay. Skinner asks him if he wants to go on the record with this, and then he tells Mulder, "Like you better have your facts. Like you damn well better have facts to back this up if we're going to put this on the record, because you can't make these accusations without evidence." Mm-hmm. And then Skinner calls his secretary, and he's like, or he calls somebody. I'm not exactly sure who, but he's like, "Can you have Crycheck sent to my office?" And then before Krychek arrives, Skinner tells Mulder that he can't protect him here. Like past a certain point, this is going to become a larger bureau matter. Yeah, which I'm isn't Skinner supposed to be the assistant director? Yeah, like, but I think there which, are people above him, as we've seen well, mentioned. Before. Well, I mean, if if you look at like the official like FBI, like it's like director, assistant director, like that's that's the hierarchy. So like Skinner is basically second in command of the FBI. That does beg all kinds of other questions though, because then like like Mulder is basically interacting with like the second level dude of the entire FBI, which seems strange on a regular basis. Yeah. But it's TV. So wait, are you telling me this didn't really happen and this is not a documentary? I know. And and then like and then like where does the cigarette smoking man fit in? Because well and that's he in this whole system. That's what they talk about. So then Skinner's like what evidence do you have? And Mulder pulls out the cigarette butt he found in Krychek's car and that he'd put in a baggie. And he tells him that he found it in Krychek's car, but Krychek doesn't smoke. And he tosses it onto the desk next to an ashtray that's full of identical cigarette butts. Yeah. And again, you keep saying butts. They are almost full on cigarettes. Like that is why the cigarette smoking man is burning through packs of cigarettes so much because he doesn't smoke a whole cigarette. Yeah. He smokes like like a little bit and then he smokes a half and then puts it out. Yeah. So Krychek was also the last person with Dwayne Berry before he died. He was the last person to see the tram operator before he disappeared. And at the top of the mountain, Mulder saw an unmarked helicopter working the area. And Mulder thinks Krychek gave their location to whoever he's working for. And Skinner's like, who's that? And Mulder's like, whoever the man that smokes those cigarettes works for. So obviously, like, he does, he thinks the cigarette smoking man is part of this, which makes sense with the cigarette. But, like, they don't say who the cigarette smoking man works for, so we don't know... No, there's like whoever the man who smokes those cigarettes works for. Like no one knows his name. He's just like the <laughs> he's man a, who smokes those cigarettes. He's the cigarette smoking man, even to them. They don't know who he is or why he's there. He's someone yeah. high level that's always around. And yeah. Skinner then asks why. And Mulder says because Scully had hard damning evidence, that implant, or because her termination would prevent further involvement of, with Mulder. So like Mulder would not be involved anymore and his work would not get in their way, is his thinking. So then Skinner asks if he thinks Agent Scully is dead and Mulder doesn't know. And he asks what he knows about Krychek. And Skinner says he didn't give Krychek the assignment. And then before he can say anything else, the phone rings. And Skinner's like, okay, yeah, whatever. It hangs up. And he tells Mulder that Krychek didn't actually show up for work this morning. And apparently his phone number has been disconnected. Like his home phone. Yeah. So Mulder's pissed because now Krychek has disappeared. And Skinner's like, you need to let it go. And Mulder's like, like hell. (laughs) And then he's like, what can you do about it? 
And Skinner's like, I'm going to do the only thing I can do. As of now, I'm reopening the X-Files. That's what these people fear most. And then Mulder storms out. X-Files, X-Files, X-Files. Opening up the X-Files. Yay! It's back. Yeah. yeah, They did really burn through that crycheck thing pretty fast, I have to say. I mean, yeah. I know we're going to see him again, right? Yes. It's not like he's gone forever. We're going to no, see him again. he's not. Still. I have to say, though, I kind of want to see Mulder and Skinner working the X-Files together. Like, we don't need Scully. Like, we've got two men working together, all close and sweaty, trying to find their own truth, no matter the larger forces, trying to keep them apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two special X's up right there. Baby, you got it. Yep. Um, I have good news X-Files. for you about fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that exists. Uh, also, you know, I mean, I do think we need Scully, but I do. I love Skinner and I, I love his involvement. I want his involvement. I want him to be very involved. Like, I just love having him around. I feel like he's, he's always interesting. Like, I really like Skinner and I trust Skinner. <laughs> no, I do like Skinner. So then Mulder's sitting on a bench outside and Scully's mother approaches and thanks him for calling her. And her mom asks if Dana's okay, and Mulder says he doesn't know. And her mom is like, well, I know you're doing all you can. And then she mentions that she had the dream about Dana being taken again. And Mulder's like, well, it'll probably be scarier when you stop having the dream. And then she starts crying, and I'm like, Mulder, like the bedside manner needs some work. This wasn't (laughs) good. I know. And then he gives her Scully's necklace, and he asks why Scully wore a cross if she was such a skeptic. And her mother says she gave it to Scully on her 15th birthday. And then she gives it back to Mulder. And she's like, when you find her, you give it to her. And so Mulder nods. Yeah, because even Scully's mom knows that they love each other. And that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. And Catholic confirmation is usually between like 12 and 15, which would have made more sense. Like if you did the confirmation, you know, after catechism than her birthday. Unless, like, the Scullies are secretly Hispanic and Dana had, like, a quinceanera on her 15th birthday. Yeah, it might have just been a, a nice gift. And I don't know. I've, I've gotten stuff like that from, like, really religious relatives when I was around that age. Yeah. 14, it's just we know they're Catholic. And so I was thinking, like, it would be part of, like, you know, going to catechism and then you do your confirmation. Right. And so I would think that that was when you maybe would get the cross because then you're like, oh, now you're officially Catholic. Right. right? But anyway and so then we get one final scene where we see Mulder hiking up a trail and it's not i think it's supposed to be skyland mountain but it's not super clear and then I th- yeah i think it's supposed to be too i, okay. I think if, i think if we probably went and backtracked it's probably the same, same like area. location as when like they like when he found Dwayne. i think, I think it's probably so. supposed to be the same location and he basically just goes up there and stares up at the stars and then it fades mm-hmm. to black and we get executive producer chris carter who did not write or direct this episode for reasons we do not know and will never understand yeah he was like i got the first part (laughs) it's good you guys are on your own finish it for me i can't think of an ending (laughs) take care of it but yeah i think we're supposed to assume it's the same location i think so yeah he's going up there and seeing if there's any trace of scully and staring up at the stars you know wondering if she's been taken by them yeah i mean they didn't work with your sister Mulder. you think it's gonna work with scully but well, now he's on a double crusade because now he needs to find Sam and Scully. <laughs> yeah. He's an unstoppable force. Man, maybe you need to not be a woman and hang out with Fox Mulder. 
doesn't bode well for you, does it? By aliens, yeah. So, so in fairness, I have talked a lot about how awful Brian Lowry is with his books and typos and just blatant errors and what have you. So, regarding this episode, so Annie Gange, infamous for the heart of the bar, was stuck in Phineas Gage's head for the rest of his life, which is false and I'd never heard before in my entire life. He also gives spoilers for future episodes when he's talking about this episode. And I'm like, seriously, dude, like, you're spoiling episodes just like left and right in your discussion of this episode. That's messed up. So double negative on you. Well, maybe not double negative because that would be a positive. But Double anyway. dumbass on you. Is that yeah, what you're thinking Yeah, double dumbass on you. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, because, yeah, that's not cool. You don't Star get Trek spo- 4. Sorry, anyway, I love that movie. I haven't seen Star Trek 4. <gasps> Is that the one with the whales? Yes, it's the one with the whales. Okay, I've seen parts of it because I really like the part where Scotty tries to talk to the mouse. Yes. When he's like, computer, <laughs> with the Macintosh. I thought that was funny. I like that part. Okay, yeah. That, oh I like that part. Okay, so yeah, I've, you, seen, I've seen parts of it. It's okay. such a good movie. Anyway, all right, anyway. Yep. And then Frank Lavesse, he says Red Right Hand is written by Nick Dave instead of Nick Cave. So typo, he, D instead of C. Yeah, that's a, I bet you that's one of those things that like five copy editors looked at, no one caught. And then later he was like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh man, I'm, I'm going to say this. We have made fun of this person's name before. And you shouldn't do that. It's bad. But Emily Todd Vanderwerf? Werf? Werf? Vanderwerf? she actually flips the cigarette smoking man statement in her in her section on that book is written by two people and that's in the monsters of the week book and she says turning one's man's crusade into a religion which technically is more accurate of a statement and actually sounds better than what is said in the episode because turning a crusade into a religion would make more sense than turning a religion into a crusade right but yeah so so those are errors that I found in this episode. So I didn't see any super blatant stuff in Brian Lowry's book. No, um, it seemed fine. I think he's yeah. just gotten some bad information. and We're just assuming that Harlan Ellison thing is actually true. Yeah. And that he didn't, didn't make it up. No, that sounds true to me, though. I think I read that on somewhere else. But again, I think where I read it was using that as a source. So as a hard. source, yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's hard to. It's one of those things yeah. where it's like you see stuff everywhere, but it's all coming back to one thing. So it's like you don't really yeah. know. Yeah. He also is the, the the source for that Scully is actually, that's actually pregnant Jillian Anderson in that scene, which is kind of obvious as pregnant yes. Jillian Anderson in that scene. So, yeah. Yeah, she is very visibly pregnant. I think why it's so upsetting just is because she's not supposed to be pregnant and there's this like pump on her stomach and it's just like it looks like they're doing some kind of weird i don't know some kind of weird test anyway yeah because they obviously made her like breathe out or something to make it like her stomach was inflating i mean it was obviously already that large because she's like this was like weeks before she gave birth so she's like eight months pregnant probably at this point yes in this scene so yeah um yeah weird yeah weird it was a weird choice, but okay. Well, I guess they figured we've got the belly. If we want to show a full shot of her, we have to use it. So how can we make it creepy? As creepy as possible. Yeah. I mean, they could have made it creepier by matching the kind of scenes that they used in Dwayne Barry. Yes. Which I think were better. Like this one, they totally changed it. But again, we talked about this is, I think, Mulder imagining what's happening to her and not necessarily yes. what's happening to her. Yeah. So we don't know so. if that's even supposed to be real or if that's just something that's in Mulder's head. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the latter. Okay, I so. I have no problem with that. I kind of like that idea yeah. again. Just only because one, it also 
feeds my pet peeve of like, why is this so different looking than what we saw previously? So because Mulder wasn't at Dwayne Barry's abduction, so he only knows what he can picture. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So ratings. Yeah, I was say I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, I don't really either. I, I liked this episode actually. Like Okay. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I thought it was okay. almost better than Dwayne Barry, like almost. I, oh I, my god. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just All I mean, because right. it was really fast paced and it was like, what's going on? And there was a lot of like Crycheck and cigarette smoking man and Skinner and just I don't know, it felt very I don't know, it, it felt maybe it just felt really X Files. I hmm. again, this is one of the things that just coming off the top of my head right now. And it's because of like, like I'm listening to you, right? Because we're talking and you, and for the first time, I am actually wondering if Crycheck is Crycheck because of Kolchek. Oh, maybe. Like a little like a alliterative nod kind of thing with like yeah. the double K action, and yeah. Crycheck, just when you Crycheck. said it, when you said it just now, for some reason, I I I just immediately thought of I was like. Oh, you meant Kolchek. And I'm like, no, she didn't mean Kolchek. She meant Krychek. And why would we be talking about Kolchek on the X-Files? But Yeah, that might just, be it, true. It just clicked in my head that I wonder if that's why he's Krychek. Entirely possible. Although yeah. he is the least Kolchek-like character. <laughs> no, but if... You <laughs> but know, the name, that, yeah. The name could be a homage to... Uh, yeah, yeah. To Kolchek. Yeah. I don't know. I like this episode a lot. I think it works as a second part. It also stands on its own, kind of, like it does have a different tone and feeling than Dwayne Barry, which I think is probably because it was written and directed by someone else. And because it's a different story, right? Like the first one yeah. is very I mean, tense. You definitely need Dwayne Barry. Cause otherwise you wouldn't know who the hell Dwayne Barry is. Like, right. Well, I mean, you need the first it. Abducting Scully, but yeah. it's the same story arc, but it's a different, it's like the first one is really tense and they're in this negotiation. And there's a lot of like, what's happening is this guy, real and then the second one it doesn't even matter if Dwayne Barry is telling the truth or if he believes it or if there are aliens or not what matters is that he's got Scully and they're racing to find her so it's like a different pace different tone but I did like it and I liked the whole like reveal of Mulder finding the cigarettes in the ashtray and I liked how he he immediately connects it to the cigarette smoking man which I feel like could be kind of a stretch but like it makes sense and also with Crycheck, just doing really stupid things, like getting rid of the tram driver is stupid. Like you're gonna get that's gonna get you caught because you're like the last person. And I do think Crycheck poisoned Dwayne Barry. I definitely believe that's what happened. I wonder. So we like we don't we talked about this. We don't we don't know like the tram guy. Like he's missing. We assume he's if he's missing, we assume he's probably dead. Yeah. Right? I wonder if just like going. I wonder if that was a mistake. Like, he didn't mean to kill the guy. He's meant to knock him out, but he accidentally <laughs> killed him. You know, that would make sense for Krychek, because I see him as slightly incompetent. So. Well, also, we see in that scene with Cigarette Smoking Man, he doesn't seem fully committed to the whole, like, he wants to know, like, what's going on with Scully. And, like, I think I should know. And when he's told, like, what his place is, he's kind of, like, he kind of does that, like, you know, after Cigarette Smoking Man, he kind of, like, does that, like, he closes his eyes, like, what have I done? kind of thing mm -hmm. and so the fact that he's disappeared is like did he get disappeared or did he take off because he's trying to protect himself kind of thing like, yeah we don't i'm assuming maybe we'll find out maybe we won't maybe he'll just reappear and we'll 
assume that none of that even happened. Who knows? But it almost seems like he's not maybe fully on board when he realizes what the full situation is. Kind of yeah. Thing. Like I'm like I'm I'm cool doing this stuff, but now you want me doing this stuff, and that's I'm not maybe cool with like killing other <laughs> killing agents people. and that kind of thing. Although he does say, "Why don't you just kill Mulder?" So yeah. Well, and it's weird too because like if he didn't intend to kill the driver guy, the operator, then like the guy would know, right? So like if you leave him alive, he's going to know that you hit him with his gun and knocked him out. Mm, so there aren't so a lot of, of options would, there. I get, yeah, I guess you would want to, I guess maybe I would not be competent in this position either. Okay. Yeah. So, so. I don't know, but yeah, Krychek's a jerk. And anyway, I'm going to give this episode an eight, I think, which is what I gave Dwayne oh, Barry. Cause I think they're both equal footing. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was good. Um, obviously I had my minor issues with it, but like, they did explain things pretty well. And like, I felt like I, you know, I knew it was going on. I liked where it went. I liked where they took things and yeah. And I like Mulder angry. Like I like, I get it. Like he's worried sick about someone he cares about. And like, I get it. Like he's going to be pissed off and he's going to do things he shouldn't. And that's not excusable. Yeah. You should not ever yeah. strangle anybody. I'm not saying that's okay, <sighs> but Mulder's a fictional person and Dwayne Barry's not real. So I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah. But he, it's also like propaganda. He's a federal agent on television, and he's I know. shown going outside the rules to do what's cool. Well, it's not I have cool. bad news for you about this whole show. <laughs> I know, I know, I <laughs> and know. I know, and that stuff has become way less palatable. Like even stuff like Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is hilarious, but like, and they they have addressed like cop violence against people of color and stuff, but like it's just. It does after, especially after the summer. I feel like that kind of stuff is just like, oh, cops. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I get it. For Mulder's character, it makes sense to me that he's pissed. He thinks Dwayne might have killed Scully. He loses it for a minute. He admits later that he lost it for a minute. Not okay, but like, I get why it happened. Yeah, but he also does lots of other stuff in this episode that is not related to that. Like the whole like, but he's like. I don't think you have a choice. Like, oh, yeah, the, no. The whole, he... like, here's, here's my gun, let me on this tram. Oh, yeah, and, no. Like, the subtle threats to a civilian. It's like... Eh, yeah. I mean, cool. he's desperate, but, yeah, it's not something I would condone in real life if they were <laughs> doing this. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I... Hmm, I, I hmm, <laughs> obviously, we're going to have different scores on That's this okay. Um, So you actually rated Dwayne... I really like Dwayne Barry, but I did have some issues with it. And so I gave it a seven. Like I wanted to give it an eight, but I couldn't give it an eight because of things that went on in the episode. And so I didn't even talk about like, I kind of even wanted to give it like a nine, but there was just some things that I couldn't get my head back around. And so I dropped it down to a seven. I think Ascension is going to suffer the same fate that deep throat suffered because pilot was so good and then deep throat wasn't as uh -huh. good and so yeah. it got a way lower rating i think ascension is gonna get that same kicking so uh the one scene and maybe it's just because i like Dwayne barry both the character and the episode so much the one scene that i really enjoyed in this was the scene with Dwayne barry and Mulder until Mulder starts throttling him right but then because we're getting more of that like and I think this actor, the actor who plays Dwayne Barry, is actually better at that because in 
the earlier parts, I was kind of like, oh, he's kind of like, and it could be like what he has to work with, right? We always talk about that, like, you know, what do they have to work with as far as writing goes and what have you. But when they get into that scene where it's just him and Mulder again, that's where he really starts to shine again. Yeah. As Wayne Berry. And so that was a scene I liked best, again, until Mulder, like, throttles him. But I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Yeah. Which which goes with blood and with sleepless, both of which I also thought were good episodes, but had a lot of flaws. Mm-hmm. Like blood, like a blood, like we talked about with blood, like there was nothing in blood that wasn't interesting. I think they just had so much going on and then none of it like connected, right? Yeah. They could have gone any other they could have gone multiple directions with that and expanded out. And you know, it's just we got all this stuff and we we're just gonna lump it all together. And then Sleepless also had a lot of good stuff, but then there were so many like continuity errors and just random stuff that upset me. So yeah, I'm gonna go with a four. I've rated like four episodes of four now. <laughs> I rated I rated Little Green Men a four, I rated Blood a four, I rated Sleepless a four, I rated now I'm rating Ascension a four. So but yeah, I gotta go with a four. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, again, like and I always say this, but like I don't know how much my nostalgia is playing a factor here because I think there's a lot of that for me. And I think the episodes that bring up those feelings of like oh, X-Files, you know, like that familiarity and like, these are people I know, like Skinner and like, I mean, they're not people I know, obviously they're not real. I have friends in real life. Okay. I don't need fictional characters, <laughs> but I think there is that feeling of like, you know, it's really familiar. And like this kind of episode where he's like in the forest and there's aliens and Skelly's missing and Mulder's chasing and Skinner's there and cigarette smoking. It just is that like, that definitely colors my opinion of these episodes for sure. That's a factor. So I don't know yeah, how much we of talked it, about like but... I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't watch this season at all when it came out. Right. So I'm all these I don't like I don't remember like I haven't seen any of these episodes. I don't think like I remember I remember a lot of the host stuff, but I think that's just because that was everywhere. Like, yeah, like the, the fluke man was just all over. <laughs> yeah, but I, like otherwise, I don't know any of these episodes, so I'm coming to it blank. And we talked about this. I think we actually talked about this not in the podcast, but in, like either before the podcast or after the podcast when we just do like our little chit chat, personal stuff. Of where I kind of feel like maybe I need to go back and watch like just like 90s television like i don't want to <laughs> um but maybe i should because i imagine everything was like this maybe we did talk about this in the podcast i forget but just like everything was probably this level of like this isn't good writing and so yeah i think probably, there's a was, lot of it was probably just the standard and i'm not i mean it's probably the standard now too i don't watch a lot of television now yeah i think so. it depends on what you're watching but i think there's a lot of stuff even good shows have those episodes where you're like what are they doing? Who wrote this? And who said that this was a good idea? Well, and I think too that nowadays you have like you you know like the big the big thing is all about like the showrunner and that kind of stuff. And so I think when you have like a TV and plus everything now is like a lot of the streaming stuff. Like you don't have like full like twenty two episode seasons. You've got like ten or eight or something like that, right? And so like they come in with the whole story. Yes. And then it's like we're going to tell you the whole story. Whereas I think back then and definitely here like they may have had like an an overarching idea but each individual episode was like they were just you know someone else was coming in and just writing an episode even in this one that we talked about with season two where they really needed to like kind of lock it down because like Jillian Anderson has to be gone we gotta make sure this all fits and so 
Yeah, exactly. Because they're trying. Well, and, you know, it's television. And I don't, again, I've said this before, I don't know how X-Files was made. But most TV shows at the time were very much like written by one person, but that person is the writer. And then it goes to the table of writers and it gets critiqued, it gets reworked, people add things. And then as it's being filmed, the director adds things, you know, actors add things, things get taken out, things get moved around, things get shot. So, you know, it's not just one writer who's doing a whole script and then walking away and there's just like everything they wrote is what's getting filmed. That's very a committee process and I feel like Chris Carter probably had a lot of say on what happened in this episode even though he wasn't the writer yeah well I mean if that's the case so they need to pay a little more attention to detail yeah oh for sure like especially the little like time flags time stamps like we <laughs> well time stamps and just and just even like things from like the previous episode or like the previous three episodes or like the previous scene right where things don't match like the whole like Mulder's driving even though Krychek was driving right. and that kind of stuff. It's like, that's just like stuff that like, even the editor should be. And I, mean, I, I realize, like, you know, you like the editor is doing his job and he's like, um, I'm putting this <laughs> film together. And I realize that they've suddenly switched seats. It's not like you can be like, Hey, we got to go refilm this because like, you know, he doesn't have control. You can only do what he well, can. Yeah, he's but, working you know. with what was filmed. He doesn't have any say in what they Yeah, filmed. but maybe like, but like on set, maybe someone needs to be paying a little more attention to that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, and I don't know if so. maybe there was some scene that got deleted or didn't get filmed that was Mulder switching seats and demanding to drive. We don't even know. Like, for all we know, that was cut out and that's why it doesn't fit. Or maybe it was just an error where they got them in the car and like, you know, it was written... Maybe the writer intended Mulder to get into the driver's seat originally, and then the way they filmed it, that didn't happen. You know, so who knows what happened there? Like, I'm not saying it wasn't a mistake. I'm just saying we don't know how that mistake happened or what, you know, what the thinking was at the time. All we can do is judge what we see. And obviously, it's a little weird. You can assume that I can see Mulder kicking Krychek out of the driver's seat for sure. I don't know. We don't see that. Krychek would have to be a push-up because, like, he's already like Mulder's not sleeping, right? He already knows Mulder's like tired. Yeah, well, Krychek is kind of a Um, push-up. And we and we see evidence of that. I mean, like, like what's you know Mulder going to get out and demand to be like, no, I'm not going to get out. What are you going to do, dude? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. But overall, I liked it anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, I will grant you that you can like it. Yay. Because I know you grant me that I don't have to like it. No, of course not. So, and... yeah. And that's why we're doing this podcast together. <laughs> if we were exactly the same, it would be boring. It would. We'd just be like, I, well, I agree. Although I do agree with you a lot. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To steal the phrase, I agree with you completely. Yes. So. All righty. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, And the truth is what we make of it by The Agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. It sounded so weird to say it like that. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch season two, episode seven, three. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is, is still up. out there. The truth is what we make of it.
I was thinking about whether we should talk about next episode, but I think we'll skip it. I think we'll leave that for the opening of next episode. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Alrighty. But you've seen it, so you know if it really is or not. I do. I'm not going to have you tell me because I don't okay. see it. So. Yeah, I'll let I'm you assist- find that out for yourself. I'm, the joy of discovery. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess it's probably not really vampires. But I could be wrong, so I'll find out. So anyway, all right. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> no, yeah, don't. Please, don't. All right. I mean, oh. I did see a picture of someone who looked like a Nosferatu-looking vampire, so it might actually be vampires, but anyway. So. Can't all believe right. whether it is or not. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe it's not vampires. All right. <laughs>